1: Uh, we're going to talk, talk about a topic that really affects everybody in the room. There, there's nobody that this doesn't affect, and really on Sunday mornings, that's what we try to focus on are just things that, that, that affect the vast majority of people, if not all, uh, because we want everybody to be ministered to. And uh, I, I was thinking about the, the topic of today and just experiences in, in my own life in which to try to convey this uh, to the best of, of my ability, and the, the topic of today is control, control. Or, or you could say the lack thereof. It, it's, you know, what control is. It's, it's the, the desire, the power to influence and to change, uh, you know, people or events. And that lack of control is terrible. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. In fact, the, the, it's so bad that there are a lot of people in this room watching online that you guys are known as control freaks. Anybody else like me? You have the tendency to be a control freak. Raise your hand. Just get it up there. Don't lie. Don't you lie. Alright, somebody raise the hand of somebody next to you who knows that they're not raising you. Okay, so we know that it's not only some of our weaknesses, but maybe it's your spouse or your children or whatever, that they just love to be in control. And as I was thinking throughout the course of my life about times where I didn't feel in control, it wasn't a matter of a lack of illustrations, it was just a matter of which ones do I choose, you know, because I got, I got loads of them where I just didn't, I just wasn't in control and there was nothing that I could do except... Just wait on on the hand of the Lord and just give it time, and and the thing that the one that came to, uh, to mind specifically, and I really uh, feel it just flows really well with what we're talking about today. Is one day I got a, a call. This is about thirteen or fourteen years ago. Uh, my brother called me. He said, "Hey, hey, just my my uh, my house is on fire. It's burning to the ground." And um, I, I, of course, got in my car right away and and headed headed down there to my brother's house. And, um, sure enough, not, I mean, still several miles away, I can see the billows of smoke coming up and, and I knew exactly, well, that's his house. And, and I, I, I get there, I I pull nearby, I kind of run out to where they are. And Richard and Holly, many of you know them, uh, Richard and Holly were, uh, in the yard, um, just watching their house burn to the ground. And I gathered Caleb and Elijah, my, my nephews to me, and I just put my arms around my nephews and was just kind of holding them for a little while. They were just little guys back then. And, and, um, and, and I was standing behind my brother and, and Holly as literally as they're just watching their life, you know, all of their belongings just burned to the ground. And something stood out to me in that moment. The one thing that that mattered, that, that Holly was really concerned about, was not about all of the stuff that they had inside of the house. Did You, you know, it wasn't their, 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 the furniture or their favorite gifts that they've ever received. It wasn't the, 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 the dining room table or the sofas or the beds. You know what it was? Photo albums. Photo albums and like their wedding DVD. um, That 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 was what they wanted. And and you know the only thing that we had on our agenda that day after the all of the uh, uh, the firemen put out the the fire is that we took all of those pictures and we got them out of the photo albums and we just laid them out to dry because they got wet. And I was so grateful for all of those who showed up. uh, um, You know all all of the um, workers that showed up to put out the fire. All the firemen came. And one of the first things that they asked is, hey, where are the photos? Where are the photos? And they went into that room and grabbed the photos and just kind of tossed them out the window to try to salvage that. Isn't that really cool? How many, we need to give it up for our civil servants, everybody, that that they really, and we got a lot of them here. We have a lot of them here that just serve so very, very well. And I thought that was really special. It's just said a lot about uh, those those men and women that do that. And I, I just, it was just very special. And so we laid out all those pictures, and, and, and it really reminds you of what's important in life. You know, all the stuff that sometimes we aim for and we, 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 uh, we want, we, we, we long for it, that those things aren't really important as what you think they are. And and, and no doubt you've been in those, what I would call firestorms too. You've been in those places where all of a sudden there's just a fire, and it's just out of control, and there's nothing that you can do about it, nothing that others can do about it. It just is what it is, and especially if you're a control freak, that's really tough to go through, isn't it? Just the storms of life, just the firestorms that come out of nowhere, and you're calling somebody, and you're saying, just like my brother called me and said, hey, listen, there's a fire. And sometimes you call other uh, other friends or family members or parents, and like, there's a fire in my life. There's a trouble. There's a broken relationship. There's a lack of provision. There's a sickness. There's a, a diagnosis. There's a test that I have to go through. There's there's something in my life, and we call people, and we want that encouragement and want that, that, that strength. We want that help from others. And the Bible obviously speaks about this in, in multiple ways. And today, I'm going to take very, two very, very popular portions of Scripture, and I'm going to break these down to you in, in a way that I hope is not only meaningful to you, that you understand them better, but in a way that the Holy Spirit would just minister to you today, and that, that He would do in us what He would like to do. In this day concerning this topic because ultimately if you live your life trying to be in control all the time you're going to live a miserable life and your your soul will be tense you'll be tense because you'll find out you can't always be in control and the goal of this series is is soul relief soul relief what to do when you're not in control what to do when you're not in control. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, a very common portion of Scripture. Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Matthew 8, 23. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. What bothers you doesn't bother God. What makes you nervous in life doesn't make God nervous. Did you know that there's not a nervous nerve in God's body if you've got a spirit granted? But you know what I'm saying. that Things that make us nervous, can I tell you something? Don't make God nervous. He knows and he is the beginning and the end. Everybody get that? He's the alpha and the omega. So what was bothering all the disciples didn't bother Jesus whatsoever. That's a good word for us right there, everybody. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What kind of man is this? is this, that what is troubling you in your life is not troubling to God because he already knows the solution and has it in control. In fact, the Bible is very, very clear that God is always in control, that God is always in control. And you're like, well, I don't know if I like the way that he's controlling things then. We're going to talk about that today. In fact, I want to, I'm going to give you some things today that's going to be very helpful, but people often res- respond to storms in one of three ways, okay? And I'm going to break these down to you just one by one. One of the ways that we respond to the storms of life, to these firestorms, uncontrollable, uncontrollable circumstances is that we, we tend to fight. We, we tend to fight, that we, we try to control the uncontrollable. That we fight for it. We try to manipulate things to get what we think is the solution for the problem that we're facing. We try to control the uncontrollable. And this is what the Lord spoke to me, um, uh, just just something I'd never thought of before, but that as we try to construct uh, the situations or others or the solutions to the issues that we're going through, you'll actually find that you you really constructed your own jail cell, Meaning, meaning that you are confined to a life of of disappointment, of worry, of frustration, of anger. If you try to control everything, if you try to construct all of the solutions to all of the issues that you face, what you find yourself doing is actually building a jail cell around your life of worry and anger and frustration because it, it doesn't take you long to realize that you can't control everything. As much as we want to, there's always going to be some things in your life, in your circumstances that are simply out of your control. And if you don't trust in God to construct the solution, to develop the solution, and you try to do that yourself, you're going to end up in a jail cell of worry and fear and anger especially when things don't go the way that you want them to go. So a lot of people immediately, in the middle of a fright, in the middle of a storm, they start to fight to try to control the uncontrollable. The second thing that they often do, and you often do, me too, it's, it's take flight. So we fight, and then there's flight. And that means I, it's just easier if I run away. It's just easier if I avoid It's easier if I never talk to this person. It's easier if I don't show up. It's it's easier if I just ignore the checkbook and put that away as if it doesn't matter. If I avoid it, if I ignore it, it, surely it'll just go away. Flight. I'm just running away from the issue in my life. I'm ignoring it because I don't want to deal with it. Can I tell you something? That's not healthy. That's not healthy. If you spend your life trying to control the uncontrollable, that's not healthy. If you, fin- if you spend your life trying just to avoid any controversy, any talk, any, any, any healing, anything like that, I'll tell you that's not healthy. And the third one is it's fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze meaning it's driven by fear. You might want to write that down. It's fear. That you don't know what to do. You don't know how it's going to work out. And then all of a sudden you start playing scenarios, don't you? Well, if if they do this, then I'll do this. And if this happens, then I'll do this. And if I can do this, and if I can get it from here, then I can put it over here. And if I move these things around, I can manipulate it. And then all of a sudden, fear comes in because you realize I can't control it. It's out of my control. And you know what happens? What's really interesting and what happens when people freeze or when they're driven by fear is they tend up up going alone all by themselves going home, pulling all the window shades down, and they sit there and they worry and they worry and they worry some more because they're driven by fear and they're playing out the scenarios. Come on, everybody. You know what I'm talking about? You've done this too. Well, well if I say this, then maybe they will. And if I do this, then maybe it will. And the scenarios that we play out. and In the meantime, we typically cut ourselves off from other people and we just worry about it. We just worry about it. And again, that's not the solution. It's not the solution. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and a love and a sound mind. That you're not meant to live your life in worry. You're meant to live your life in rest. But it's so easy, isn't it? Can I tell you something? In fact, when, when it comes to the uncontrollable, That after we try to fight, or after we ignore it, we tend to just sit back and worry about it. Well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I don't know. And and then all of a sudden, you get into the world of manipulation, and it's a cycle because you go back to, okay, well, now I'm going to fight again. Well, now I'm just going to avoid again. Well, now I'm going to worry again because that didn't work out. And it's just a vicious cycle. But this isn't the only portion of Scripture that talks about storms of life. In fact, I'm going to take you to the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. We're going to read about another very famous portion of Scripture that many of you learned in Sunday school a long, long time ago. And it's this, Therefore, everyone, this is Jesus speaking, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, and I underline those for a reason in your sermon notes, for everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Let's just stop right there. Let's just stop right there. First of all, if your foundation is not on the rock of Jesus Christ, if your foundation is not built upon this incredible trust and faith in God, You're going to have the tendency to be swept away in these firestorms and not react the way that God wants you to react. You're going to be swept away. You're going to be tossed about. You're going to be running here and there and looking for answers and trying to control. And your life, let me tell you, your life is going to be a storm in the middle of the storm. That you're going to create a secondary storm as you respond to the storm. And it's going to cause chaos. And I've seen this after 25 plus years of full-time ministry and counseling. I have seen this over and over and over again. That when we try to control the uncontrollable, we tend to make things worse. We tend to create a storm in the middle of a storm. And he says there's a better way to live life. Let's go back to verse 26. Can we do that? But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And the difference is the difference in this scenario isn't the storm. The difference is the foundation. The difference, the two results, is not a difference in the storm. The storm was just as furious the first time or with that person, the wise person, as it was the foolish person. The difference isn't the storm. The difference is the foundation. Well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, you don't know what I'm in right now. You don't know the storm. You don't know the storm of the person sitting next to you, or in the same row as you today. Because a lot of times in this, in this moment, when we think about our storms, the problem is we're only thinking about our storm. And we fail to realize that all of us are or will face storms in life. You're gonna face the uncontrollable. You're gonna face the firestorms. When you're just standing there, maybe, hopefully, with your arm around your spi- spouse, if you're married, and saying, yeah, it's burning, nothing we can do about that. But I know God's good, and I know he's got us, and I know he'll provide. You see what I'm saying? It's, see, the difference isn't the storm. You think yours is different. Well, mine's bigger, mine's stronger than anybody else's. Really? Because as the pastor of this church, I know that that's not true. So I hear, people, I hear about people's storms every single week. Pastor, I just got some results that I need to tell you about, and they're not good. Pastor, this is what just happened. This is what just came out. Or, Pastor, I've been hiding this for a really long time. It's just been in me for a long time. It's time. I've got to reveal this to somebody. And sometimes we think our storm is bigger than anybody else's storm? As if it matters? As if it matters? Well, my storm is bigger. Let me ask you a question. Um, I better not say that. This would be some, some of these. My storm is bigger. Who cares? Well, I care because it's me. Well, they care because it's them. You know what I'm I'm saying, everybody? Sometimes we get so focused on our own storm that we realize that other people have storms, too. And in the middle of it all, we have a God who loves us equally and is equally as powerful and is equally as loving and is equally as faithful for all of us, no matter how big the storm is you think that you're in, that he can solve your storm and their storm and my storm all at the same time. That's how big he is. And sometimes we get so self-absorbed. Can I tell you something? If you live your life according to your storms, you'll never do anything great for God. Boy, that'll preach right there. How many know what, I, what I'm talking about is true? If you focus on your storms in life, well, I just got these storms. You'll never do anything great, great for God. You'll never make the difference that you're called to make because you're so self-absorbed in your world. That's why we call so many people onto mission trips, because you got to get out of, your, out of your little world and realize that life is different for the vast majority of the world, that actually here in America, we are so supremely blessed beyond measure. And I would tell you to challenge yourself, challenge yourself, look at the storms of others. And when you are a blessing in the middle of, others, uh, of the storms of others, can I tell you something? God has this incredible ability to, to solve your storm as you're helping somebody else in their storm. I'm telling you, you'll never know what true joy is until you learn to serve somebody else. And sometimes our purpose in life is stalled because we get our eyes fixed on our storms instead of on our purpose. That'll preach right there. And we need to break out of that. See, the difference wasn't in the storm. it was in the foundation. In the foundation. I'm gonna teach you about that today. A rock steady life. If I were to say, who wants to live a rock steady life? Unshakable in a very shaking world, we'd all say, I, I want that. I want to be rock steady. I'm gonna teach you how this morning. A rock steady life is threefold. According to Matthew 7:24, first of all, you need to know that all authority belongs to to the Lord. And I highlighted those words for you in verse 24. Therefore, anyone and everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who has the right foundation. He built his house upon a rock, and he's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. Whoever hears these words of mine, of mine, All authority belongs to the Lord. Let me say it like this. Some people really struggle with this. Instead of having all authority come from the Lord, they get their authority from their feelings. Or they get their authority from their friends. The Bible says that we run to God first, we seek his kingdom first, and all these things will be added unto us. Like, God is going to take care of everything, but we have to have a kingdom first mentality. We run to God first, but a lot of people I've found out in life don't, that their authority is not the Lord in their life, their authority is their feelings, that they make every decision they can, or they make every decision that they do based upon what they feel, as if their feelings have authority in their life. And you know where I I stand on this. I've taught you this over and over and over again. And I keep saying it because it's such a struggle with all of us. We all have the tendency to follow our feelings. And your feelings may be very real, but they're not necessarily valid. So so I've taught my kids this, and I've taught you this. And if you're new here, maybe you're hearing this for the first time. But it is such, I mean, you should write this down. It's so good. That God just spoke this to me a long time ago as I was raising my children to follow the Lord and to have that rock-steady foundation. I told my children, still tell them to this day, if you don't control your emotions, your emotions will control you. That if you, if you don't learn to control your feelings, your feelings will control you. And if you live your life based upon your feelings, you're going to live a miserable life. And by the way, you're going to make other people miserable too. Feelings come and go. Feelings come and go. Do not place the authority of your life on your feelings. And don't place the authority of your life on your friends. Because instead of running to God when you get into a mess, sometimes we have the tendency, instead of falling on our knees, we have the tendency to pick up our phone. Well, I've got to tell you what's going on. Well, we seek God first. That's the way it's supposed to happen. That we seek first the kingdom of God, then his righteousness. All these things are added to us. The Bible very clearly says. But a lot of times, what my friend told me, does your friend carry more authority in your life than the creator of the universe? Really? Because I've just learned, and I've determined in my life too, that God's authority trumps everything and everyone. Not only that, but Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine, so all authority belongs to God and all wisdom, write that down, all wisdom comes from the Lord. All authority belongs to the Lord, but all wisdom comes from the Lord. Whoever hears these words of mine, Whoever hears the wisdom, whoever, whoever latches onto the wisdom that I, that I give and puts them into practice. Let me ask you a, real, a question here. Do you have more wisdom than the Lord? Do your feelings have more wisdom than the Lord? Do your friends have more wisdom than the Lord? And the obvious answer to that, if we are true passionately devoted followers of Christ, Bible believers, then we know all authority belongs to the Lord. All wisdom comes from the Lord. So before I seek the wisdom of others, although there is wisdom in the counsel of many, but if you want the wisdom in the counsel of many, then you go to the many who actually know the word of God and hold to the word of God as the authority in their life. That's what the word of God is saying. That we just don't run to anybody It's great to go get wisdom, but make sure that the wisdom that you're gaining is from God, from his word, and from those who know his word and who also teach his word. So it's good to go get counsel. It's good to go to get help, but you've got to get help from the right people who are not going to answer you according to their feelings or not going to answer you according to the friendship they have with you. They're going to answer you according to the word of. Of the Lord, because all wisdom comes from Him. The third thing since all authority belongs to God, and all wisdom comes from God, then those truths demand my obedience to Him. If all authority belongs to the Lord and all wisdom comes from the Lord, then those two truths demand my obedience to the Lord. Because he owns it all. And I don't. Like he, he, he has all authority. He has all wisdom. Without him, I got nothing. I got nothing. So if he, if he is who he says he is, then he is. And if he knows what he says he knows, then he does. And it's proven over and over and over again then it demands my obedience to it. And that's why Jesus says, listen, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you actually live this thing out in your own life, your house will be built upon the rock. You'll have the right foundation and you'll be able to withstand the storms that will come. Oh, they'll come. But at the end of that storm, you'll still be there. You'll still be standing. You'll still be rock steady in a very shaky World. So number three, as, write this down, that as I obey the Lord, there are lots of things that are out of my control. But as I obey the Lord, I also focus on what I can control. So you think, well, we're talking about uncontrollable situations, uncontrollable circumstances. Let, let me tell you something, that as much as it feels out of your control, that you always have some level of control there are things that you can control in the middle of uncontrollable things. The first one is, I can have faith in God's goodness. I can have faith in God's goodness. The one thing I know about God, he's good. He's very good. So I can have faith in that. I can have faith in the fact that God is for me that the Lord works all things out for my good and for the good of my family and for the good of others, that God is working all things for my good. Why? Because he's good. That I know that God is for me. The Bible says it very specifically, that the Lord is on my side. That if God is for me, who can be against me? Like God is good, new song, God is good. And I can have faith in the middle of uncontrollable things. What I can control is my faith in God's goodness. Oh, I just choose to believe that, God, you're good. Thank you, Father, for being good. The second thing is, I can have faith in God's greatness. You say, well, goodness and greatness, those are the same thing. No, they're not. God is good, but he's also great. And what I'm talking about is that God has greatness in him that you don't have. If you're not found in him, meaning, meaning this, that God not only is good, he not only has the willingness to help, but he has greatness. He has the, he has the ability to help, not just the willingness, but the ability that there is nothing impossible with God. Why? Because he is great. Great. That he has power, so much power, you can't begin to experience the level of power. You can't begin to experience the level of bigness in God. But God is greater than you could ever imagine. And I promise you, he's greater than your circumstance. So he's not only good, and I can have faith in that, but I can have faith in his greatness. I can not only have faith in his willingness, I can have faith in his ability. God is good. God is great. And I can have faith in his generosity. I can have faith in his generosity. You're like, well, I don't understand. God loves, and in fact, let's work at this backwards for a moment. That I can have faith in God's goodness. I can have faith in his greatness. I can have faith in his generosity. I can have faith in the fact that God will generously share his greatness because it flows out of his goodness. I'm going to say it again. That I can have faith in God's generosity. I can have faith that God is going to generously share his greatness because it flows from his goodness. Therefore, I will not fear. Therefore, I can be strong and full of courage. Why? Because my my God is not only good, my God is not only great, my God is generous. My father is generous with his greatness because it flows out of his goodness. And he loves me, and he is for me. He's not against me. He is on my side. He's working things, all, all these things out for my good. He's controlling what I think is uncontrollable, but I know that God is in control. I know that he has a solution. I know he's working it out right now, even though I may not see it, because God is good. God is great. God is generous. And I can say of God, surely the Lord, surely the Lord is good. Surely the Lord is great. Surely the Lord is generous, and surely the Lord is going to control that which I cannot control. And it's going to work out okay. It's going to be okay. Because I have a good father, I have a great father, I have a generous father. And I could trust him. And the Bible says if you live your life like that, let me give you a few verses. They're here in your sermon notes, but these are so good. I could have gone with so many. So, I'm talking hundreds of verses, everybody. Thousands of verses in the Bible that we could talk about the goodness and the greatness and the generosity of our Heavenly Father. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 says this, that those who live in the shelter of the Most High, those who, who just abide in Christ, who just run to Jesus every day, Run to their Father every day. We'll find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. Like I'm here to make a declaration, New Song, that he alone is our refuge. He alone is our place of safety. He is our God, and we trust in him. I make that declaration here a New Song. I declare it in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ, that our hope is in the Lord. Our joy is in the Lord. The miraculous power that we need in our lives and our circumstances, that that comes from the Lord, that he is faithful, that he's generous, that he's great, and that he's good. I declare it in the name of Jesus. And you need to have that same declaration in your heart to declare those things. But this one thing I know, that I run to God and I'm safe. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and those who run to him are safe. So we run to God. We abide in Christ. And everyone, let me say it a different way. Everyone who runs to God makes it. (laughs) See, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Aren't you glad about that new song? Every single person who runs to God makes it. Isn't that amazing? Are you experiencing some soul relief this morning? I got another verse for you, it's it's found, again, in the book of Psalms, it's Psalm 55, verse 18. I'm gonna read this portion out of the message, it says, my life is well and whole. You're like, well, mine's not, but watch what it says, my life is well and whole, secure in the middle of danger, okay? (laughs) So there's trouble all around me, oh, but I'm secure. There is trouble. There's tur- turmoil. There's there's the uncontrollable all around me. But my life is secure. It's whole, and it's well. Everything is a okay in my world, even when it doesn't look like it. Is he saying, I'm surrounded by danger? I see it. It's not that I don't see it. Of course I see it, but I know my God. I know my Father. I know he's generous. I know he's great, and I know he's good. And he will generously share his greatness with me, with my family, in my circumstance, because it flows out of his goodness. And in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of the uncontrollable, I'm secure. And I'm whole. I trust in my Father. What a good good word for us today. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? Yes or no? Amen. Stand up with me. I know the temptation is we've already addressed it. A lot of you might even be in this room right here watching online and you're You're thinking, yeah, but pastor, you you don't know. You, You don't know what I'm facing. I know the one, though, who is bigger and greater than your circumstance. I know the one who is most powerful. He's my heavenly father. And as a child of God, he's your heavenly father. And when you're not in control, he is. He is. And so we run to him for strength, for peace, for joy, for hope. We run to him because he's generous with his greatness because of his goodness. You received the word of the Lord today. Let's open up our hands toward heaven. Father, for any person in this room that is struggling with the uncontrollable, What they feel is uncontrollable. And they're dealing with circumstances. They're dealing with with relationship issues, with financial issues, with emotional strain. They're, They're dealing with diagnoses. They're dealing with test results. And maybe even upcoming doctor's appointments. And there is tension in their soul because they can't control some things that are happening in their life. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that as a child of God, as his children, that you are in control and that you're doing the miraculous, that you're healing, that you're restoring, that you're providing, that you're doing every single thing that needs to be done. And I declare that we are a family of believers that have faith in you. Come on, new song. If if you're really struggling with something right now in your own way, say, Father, I have faith in you. I can't control everything, but I can have faith. I can have faith in your generosity, in your greatness, and in your goodness. And that is what I choose today. I choose to leave this place as a person of faith, as a child of God who lives by faith, who walks in faith. I choose to leave this place being completely changed, filled with hope, and filled with peace, and filled with joy, and filled with confidence that my God is for me, that my heavenly Father is for me. He's not against me. That God, that you're working all things out for my good. And I thank you that I will see the goodness of my God, the greatness of my God, and the generosity of my God in my life, in my family, in my circumstances. I declare it, and I today I receive it. I take it by faith. Father, the miraculously, the miraculous, the, your promises, your word, I take possession of those things today. They belong to me as your child. And I lay hold of your promises. I lay hold of deliverance. I lay hold of, of provision. I lay, I lay hold of healing today because your word says I can because all authority belongs to you and all wisdom comes from you and it demands my obedience and it demands my worship and it demands my heart and today you have it all thank you father I rejoice now that you're doing the impossible because nothing is actually impossible with you I rejoice today, Father, that you're good and that you're working all things out for my good. I rejoice today, Father, that you are my healer, you're my defender, you're my, you're my victor, you're everything to me, and you get all of the praise and all of the glory, both now and forevermore. Come on, new song, can we just lift our hands to the Lord and say, thank you, Father, for working in my sta- circumstances. Thank you for doing the miraculous. Thank you for doing the things that I cannot do on my own. Thank you for healing. Thank you for delivering. Thank you for restoring. Thank you for providing. Thank you for doing the miraculous, God. I love you, and I worship you, and today I choose to live by faith in my heavenly Father. You're so good, and you're worthy of all praise and glory. And if you've received that today, could you say a very, very big amen? Amen, amen. Amen. God's good. God's good. Now listen you got plenty of time. you got plenty of time. Before you even leave the room, you make sure that you shake four or five hands, introduce yourself to somebody, let them know that you care for them, hang out in that lobby. we got plenty of time, all right? And have a great day. God bless you guys. I love you. As a church, it's our honor
0: to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org slash connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of
1: Christ. We hope you tune in next week.